I'm very excited to tell you right now about CISO, and I mean that genuinely. CISO, it's, it's a streaming comedy platform. It's a lot like Netflix, but it focuses on comedy, uh, original comedy that they, they produce, and also uh, archives of so many classic shows. I really do hope you check it out. Like, like, for example, what would happen if the McElroy brothers were to turn their popular advice podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me, into a TV show? And what if it was directed and and what if the guy running it was JD Amato of the Chris Gethard show my right hand man a guy who's I've been working with for for many many years and there's only one way for you to find that out for yourself sign up for CISO they've got exclusive originals next day late night hilarious stand up binge worthy classics CISO is your one stop comedy streaming service what are you waiting for go to seeso.com right now to get one month free with promo code beautiful at checkout Trying to tell your story to the world? MailChimp can help for free. I'm a MailChimp user, have been for many years, well before this podcast even started, so you know I'm telling you the truth. MailChimp has gorgeous pre-designed email templates. You can also code your own. They'll show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email, or click delete. They can also help you find your people and grow your business. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it. I'm a user. You'll enjoy it. More at MailChimp.com. Hello, everybody else who loves a good paper dosa. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun and I'll get to know Hey everybody, it's Gethard. Happy to talk to you again. I hope you're all doing well out there. Hope everybody's enjoying listening to the show and talking to each other online and sometimes getting in fights and sometimes having thoughtful discussions and all of it. Very, very happy about this episode you're about to hear. Um, a person who has a lot of life experience, has lived in multiple nations, whose who's, who's sexuality maybe doesn't match up with the, the cultural traditions of of where he comes from and, and who has a lot of opinions on, on, on who he is and where he comes from and what all that means. You'll, I think you'll really like it. I really enjoyed it. He has a good sense of humor, very, very chill, relaxed guy, in spite of the fact that he's talking about some stuff that I think would throw anybody for a loop. Has some fun with me. You'll hear the first half of the show, he's got so much to say, and it's, it's also good and so interesting. And then um, about halfway through the show, I'm like, you know what? I feel comfortable, and this guy's giving me so much. I'm just going to start trying to have some fun, be funny with him. So first half, very informative. Second half, really loosens up. So if you, you know, you get two for you. If you like, you like one or the other, you get them both today. Enjoy it. It's Beautiful Anonymous. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? I'm okay. I got a little bit of a cold, but I'm getting over it. Oh, that's pretty nice. I thought your voice sounds a little different. Yeah, it's a little... I got a little bit more of like a... uh, Like I've been... Like a Harvey Firestein type vibe going than usual. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Now, where are you nice. from? Oh, uh, originally or right now? Both. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, a bit of background. So uh, I grew up in Kenya, wow. East Africa. And then uh, I did all my schooling until uh, high school. And then moved to India. 
Uh, from there, I finished my last part of uh, high school and college. And then I moved to California for more school. And then I moved to East Coast for more school. Whoa, so Kenya, India, California, landed on the East Coast. And out of the, yep. Wow, so a world traveler. Uh, yeah, I'm mean, lucky enough because my dad had the privilege of moving to uh, East Africa when he was young. And that made it uh, easier for us, I suppose. Yeah. To just go up there. And then education is uh, it's not of the highest standards in Africa. So people either move to Australia, New Zealand, or the UK to go to study. But my parents want to be closer to their parents, so maybe uh, move to India. Yeah. Where did, where did your dad move? Your dad moved to East Africa. Where did he move from? Uh, moved from India. I mean, originally, I'm, I'm Indian. Indian. Wow. So you've, yeah. ba- you've bounced all over the globe. Yeah, it's crazy. But it has its parts, too. Yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. So, yeah, one of the main reasons I wanted to call in uh, was, uh, was, you know, talk about the Indian culture and all the stereotypes that people think about Indian people, especially in the, in the Western uh, continents. I just want to clarify it or change it. And then I just want to... Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm psyched. I'm I'm yeah. I'm very psyched to uh to hear the, to hear the real deal. I might be a little uh a little jittery because I'm caffeinated. <laughs> I would say if you uh, if you cut me in this coffee that's filling up, I mean pots of water too. But yeah, that's all good. Yeah, no 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 apologies. I like you bring the energy. I have a cold, so you got the coffee. We'll meet in the middle. I'm a little lower energy or a little higher yeah. energy. We'll get to go. CNC. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, wait, uh, let me give a high-powered statement. So I'm bisexual, uh, which uh, I knew all along, but I didn't know that was. And my family is super religious orthodox. And uh, uh, when it comes to marriage, you know, I mean, you must have heard this, and all the viewers, I mean, listeners must have heard it too. It's arranged marriage. Mm. Well. Wow. Break that all up. What people think about it, how it works, and I want to talk about it. If you know, if you want to know more about it, and then since my family is extremely religious, they they know you know uh, gays and lesbians, LGBT, all that exists, but they don't think their kid uh, is one. Wow, I, I, we could and, have, we could have talked yep. an hour alone just about moving from Kenya to India to America, and now. We've, you're also re- you're also ready to break down your culture from a religious sense and a sexuality sense. This is uh, I know. I, I don't know how we're gonna life. get. How, we're at the end of this hour. I'm predicting I'm gonna be very much wishing we had more time. Well, I'm pretty sure your podcast's gonna keep on going for years, so I might be lucky enough to call again. You don't know that. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll get the part two. Maybe we'll get the part two. So yeah, walk me through. Where do you want to start? Like I've never I've never considered that. I've never considered. Uh, you know, because arranged marriages, I grew up I grew up in the U.S., arranged marriages, not as much of a thing, largely not a thing. Never considered the fact of uh, people's sexuality in terms yeah, of Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy, though, because people always, uh, you grow up, you're always sheltered. You go, you know, your mom and a dad, your life is good. And, of course, the parents had an arranged marriage as well. So the kids, the only thing they know is when the guys go to school, like, don't talk to girls, you know, it's not that good. And girls, like, keep away from guys. Don't look at them. You know, stuff like that. I mean, this is talking about the older generation, not now. I mean, now the culture is changing thanks to uh, 
uh, you know, the movies and westernization and all that stuff. So now it's changing. But my parents' generation and their parents' generation, it was bad. My grandmother, that was hilarious. She uh, met my grandfather and got married the next week. Whoa, in a week? Yep. And can I ask, so your family, your family is very religious, but I know there, there are a number of religions in, within India. Which, which, in, which religious background do you, does your family come from? I'm Hindu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hindu? Cool. Yeah, the one thing I'm proud about uh, uh, I mean, of India is that it is multicultural. So it does not matter if you're Muslim or, Christ, or Christian or Buddhist or Hindu. Yeah. And that's another whole new topic. So under Hindu, there's caste system. And then you either belong to the superior caste, which people call, or you fall under the inferior caste. Which can and I... And then there's that subculture. Sure. There's so much going on here. So which, which caste, what caste is I know, is mind your... blown, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm... Oh, um, I'm Brahmin. You're Brahmin. And, and what, what exactly does that indicate to an outsider like me? Like, what are, what are the bullet points of what that entails? Okay, some... Yeah, so it's a million years ago. Uh, the descendants of gods uh, were subdivided. I mean, I'm a little, I'm not all that informed in my own culture, which is, I should be ashamed about it. But yeah, there are a couple of sages. So these sages, the descendants of those sages or saints, they fall under that particular subdivision. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. there are four scriptures sort of thing. So I come in one of those scriptures where the people from my caste or subculture should be priests or accountants or law officers or something of high position. Mm-hmm. And then there are other assistant things. I mean, other uh, cultures say, if you are a cobbler, then you got to be a cobbler. So if you're a soldier, you got to be a soldier. So things like that. So you're born, you're born into a certain set of expectations as far as what your life is like from beginning to end. Yeah. This was, this was hundred years back. Yeah. yeah. So we follow the, for some reason, very dutiful when it comes to following the culture and religion. So people follow all that. Yeah. So when it comes to marriage, it's more like the family gets married to each other. You know what I mean? There's a guy, there's a girl, they get married, of course, but also the family marry into each other. Mm-hmm. So before all this construct was created because, oh, he's wealthy or uh, there's a, you know, I have, let's say I have rice and you have a rice mill. So let's get let's get our kids married so I can use your rice mill and you can use my rice. So it's sort of beneficial for, for their families. So that's how all this shit started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So but then now it's more like, uh, oh, I want to keep my own bloodline running of the same religion. So people keep doing that. Yeah. So walk me into, so that's, I, I asked you for the background, you gave it to me, but you were saying, so your grandma got married after knowing your grandpa for a week. Your parents also an arranged marriage. Yeah. How does this How does this roll yeah. down to your generation? How's it affecting you? Are you married? No, thank God, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong getting married, but I feel like I'm I'm just trying to figure out what I want to do in my own life. So having responsibility for someone else is way too much. Yeah, yeah. So tell me how everything mixes no, together for, for you. Yeah. Sure. For us, uh, it was uh, so I'm the youngest in both sides. My so my uh, father's side as well as my mother's side I'm the youngest kid so I'm the youngest of all the cousins so I was hoping someone in my family would get married like elope or you know marry some other religion or be gay or be lesbian or something but there's no like none of that stuff happened so they've all <laughs> sort of dated someone from the same religion and they happen to be the same caste 
Like, I don't know how on earth that happened. Uh-huh. They happened to be the same cast and they got married to each other. So you're younger and you know, and you know, internally you're bisexual, you know, your sexuality doesn't lend itself towards the, the traditional life. And you're just praying one of your cousins sets the bar on it. You're just yeah, like, no, please I mean, let like, somebody. I, I mean, I haven't said it. I mean, I haven't said it out loud. So just for last year, I started therapy. And uh, so I knew, you know, I used to hook up with, I mean, not with a lot of people, just my uh, very few select folks in college. So it's more like, oh, you're my best friend, you know? So it's just like you're eating together, you know? It's just like, go have sex. So it's always used to be that way. So I thought I used to admire someone. So it's not the, the sexual part of it. But then realized that, you know, there's actually more than that. So once I broke up my ex-girlfriend, because I've always been with girls. So I thought, okay, why not just to see some guys and, you know, hook up with guys and see if I really, really enjoy that. And it worked out. You're into it. So that's how I identified. Hell yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's so, uh, so your family doesn't know. Your family doesn't know that you that you uh, that you enjoy nope. a more fluid lifestyle. Wow. Nope, nope, nope. I mean, my God, they'll be shocked. My my mom thinks I'm a saint. I mean, a saint in the sense like. She knows I occasionally drink wine. Oh, that's alcohol. That's another whole new topic. But anywho, she knows I occasionally drink wine. But when she talks about the, the lifestyle that I'm living and, you know, sort of things that I do, she will be like, whoa, are you even my son? I mean, she'd be shell-shocked. Wow. Do you plan, do you plan on, on talking with yeah. your family about this? Yeah. My dad, I mean, my dad and I have a weird relationship, so probably not. But my mom, like, uh, I'm sort of close to my mom. So I usually tell her, so if I get, if at a stage of point where I get super serious with my girlfriend, then I usually introduce my girlfriend to my mom and say, hey, uh, like, I really like her, and then things are going okay. I just wanted you guys to, you know, talk and meet and stuff. Uh, but I'm not sure as to where my future is going to go. Either I'm going to be with a guy or with we with a girl. So until I decide that, I, I'm not going to tell her anything. Yeah. So you can you could so see a world where if you if you fall hard enough for a girl, if it feels right, go with it, and you maybe wouldn't talk to your your ultra religious parents at that point and just let it lie. But if it it's I will say for someone who's in a situation like that that it's it I feel like the idea of coming out to your parents is notoriously a hard thing to do. Let alone when you're from an ultra religious background. Let alone one that practices arranged marriages. You seem awfully chill about this. You seem like real <laughs> chill about this. I know. Hey, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I mean, there's a. I feel like who who knows? I mean, there's. Do you do you want me to actually answer <laughs> that? Because I'm sure you've thought about all no, the no, options. Okay. Right? I was supposed to finish it. I was like, well, let me see. Chris has a worse worse solution than me. But no, <laughs> no. The worst thing that would happen is that they would be shocked and they would just like, uh, "Are you sure? Do you know what's happening? You know, I don't know. You know, all the usual questions." But other than that, what can they do? I mean, they can't just magically turn me into something that I'm not. Yeah. Do you think? So, do you think they would cut you off in any way? Do you think your relationship would would be distant? Uh, like, maybe my dad would. But practically speaking, I do have a strange relationship with them, so I really don't care what happens there. Mm. But my mom, no. I mean, she loves me more than enough that I'm pretty sure she's not going to uh, cut me off. Yeah. Yeah. And where do your where do your folks live now? Uh, so there was a, there was a, a war and the, the conditions were shitty in uh, uh, Kenya a few years back, which is like what mid two thousands to late two thousands. So they moved to India. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So they keep uh, they visit us sometimes. They travel, you know. They, they do that old people stuff. Yeah. 
You are really chill yeah, I know. I for mean, everything you've described. You I know. <laughs> I get more stressed yeah, out about things too. on a daily basis, and I don't have as much, I don't have as much uh, real life stif- stuff coming down the pike as you do, for sure. That's, that's, yeah, because my everyday life is a, I would say a mess, but it's also stressful. So I guess that takes up most of my time. <laughs> so last year, uh, 2016 was epic for me. I mean, in terms of uh, being amazing as well as being as shitty as possible. So last year was the first time I tried medication. Oh, I have high functioning anxiety, by the way. I mean, who doesn't, right? But anyway, <laughs> uh, so I struggled with that. And apparently I have mild depression. So, hey, you know, amazing, right? And, oh, P.S., Indian folks don't believe in, actually, the Asian, they don't believe in anxiety and depression. They said, they just think, you know, oh, just shake it off. Just just work harder. It'll be okay. That's another thing. Yeah. It's just, like, pissing me off that uh, even, even when people are educated, even when people talk and see people that have experienced all this shittiness in life, but they still believe you can just uh, change the environment or drink a cup of tea and your anxiety will just, like, whoosh, fly away. I wish. I'm drinking a cup of tea right now, and I'm real stressed out. Trust me, the only thing... I drink tea, but it makes me pee so many times, so I hate it. Yeah, fair. Fair. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, I'm in grad school, so I'm doing my PhD. Uh Uh-huh. What are you studying? So, uh... (sighs) Biology. Why'd you let out a big sigh about that? I mean, no, it's pretty fun. So everyone, when they come into school, they decide, oh, this is what you want to be. So when I came in, I wanted to be a, a professor, but then realized that uh, the everyday thing you're supposed to do and uh, the amount of hard work you're supposed to do, I was like, hell no, I can't. Like, I cannot switch off my brain when I go go home at night or over the weekends. So no way I can think about getting money or running my own lab and being a professor and teaching and all that stuff. Like, no way I can do that. Yeah. So what do you think? what do you think so, is coming at the end of this PhD now? I don't know. I'll worry about it then. <laughs> I've given myself another year to think about it. You seem like you got it all. <laughs> I've never met somebody like you. No, actually, no. I mean, I'm telling you, no. I haven't got everything. Out. When I'm left alone, my own thoughts. You know how it works. It's like a roller coaster. The mind goes from from what I ate for yesterday to uh, uh, to what's my professor thinking as to which direction my experiments to go to wait to tell my mom about me be bisexual and then to like wait this is how my brother reacted so probably not and then oh wait should i talk to my friends about it nah they're not gonna be of any help so yeah should i bring it up in therapy no so you know my mind's always like six 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 it just keeps going on yeah but i just try to there's nothing i can do about it i would say it's gonna be more stressful for the last 15 minutes i've never i've never met somebody who's a combination Who's who's a more fifty fifty split between having absolutely nothing figured out and seeming totally <laughs> reconciled with that? How did your brother react? You said you yeah. did tell your brother about your sexuality. You know the first question where he asked is like, "Do you know what being bisexual is?" Uh, <laughs> I looked at him and was like, "Then why the hell would you think I would say I'm something which where clearly I don't know what it is?" And like, "Are you stupid?" <laughs> that was funny. And then he had this look on his face. Saying you know his little brother is not little anymore, <laughs> that was precious. Yeah, yeah. And but how- in the end, he was like, uh, "Do you think you're going to marry a girl?" It's like I've always seen myself with a woman, so I don't know. Probably, yeah. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. And what what did when your brother said like, "Do you know what it what being bisexual means?" Like, what what does it mean to him? 
did he have some specific definition in his mind? No, he knew exactly what it was, but uh, but he was he was more shocked that he didn't know how to process it. So he was like, but do you know what that means? Do you think it's a face? <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, definitely not a face. I mean, if I'm telling you uh, about it, then that, you know, I, I usually don't talk to people unless I'm 100% sure about what it is. Yeah. So I don't want to talk to them about something that I'm not sure about. And then, you know, just step back from it saying, oh, we're just kidding. Yeah, yeah. So... So my brother, so we all grew up in different time zones and, you know, different continents. So my brother and I, we, we, we don't have the usual, you know, brother's relationship. So, I mean, he's cool in his own terms, but he's sort of the opposite of me. Uh, he's slightly introverted, or I would say selectively extroverted. And he's shy, sort of reserved. So he only talks when asked or, you know, when he wants to ask you anything. But otherwise, he just keeps to himself, does his stuff, just goes, plays. He's sort of the opposite of me. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about six years uh, age difference. So we and now we're actively trying to be closer because my cousins are all shitheads. And we do not talk to any of them. I have no idea what my all my cousins are doing. Like I know where they are, but I have no clue what's happening in their life. So we realized since our parents are aging, 60 plus, you know, they are. So it's high time for us to be close to each other. So my brother and I are becoming closer to each other. So I was like... How more can I get closer to you than just like break to you saying I'm bisexual? Like, no, hey, I'm all out there. <laughs> yeah, and is he ultimately cool with it? Is he like, is he, is he, is he down with it at yeah, the end of the day? Yeah, he asks. Yeah, he always like. Uh, so if he's supposed to text me, he's like, "Hey, how are you?" I was like, "I don't think so." Okay, and then he talks to me about, "So how's he doing?" You know, the guy I'm with, like, "How's he doing?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "You have to ask me that, don't you?" I was like, yeah, things are okay. And that's it, ready silence. No questions after that. And then a week later, hey, how was this? How was that? Spoke to parents? Yeah. Oh, by the way, how's he? That's it. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm, um, I'm used to that now. So especially when moving around so many countries, uh, I'm always used to going and, you know, getting my own set of new friends and doing stuff with them. Yeah. And let me ask you this. This might go nowhere. I don't know. If you're like, yeah, it's not interesting. Who cares? But you've lived in different countries. Like, what is what is the response to to queer people, to gay people, bi people in the countries you've lived in? Like, what what's it like in Kenya? What's it like in India? I know what it's like in America uh, to a certain degree. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's a question. That probably has an interesting answer, and we'll hear that answer soon. But before we do, you know, there's a lot of sponsors. They have products. They have services. They help make this show happen for free. Let's go ahead and let's hear from them. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job? To find the best candidates, posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. Zip Recruiter already has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. You can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient for your team to find the best hire. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. You post once. You watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And everybody knows ZipRecruiter makes it so easy. They're easy-to-use interface. You don't have to juggle tons of emails, all these calls. You quickly screen candidates. You rate them. You hire the right person fast. And if you have any issues, ZipRecruiter's friendly and human support staff 
is ready to help. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses and has been featured on Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, The New York Times, TechCrunch, and CBS. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com beautiful. That's ZipRecruiter.com beautiful. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com beautiful. I don't know if it's just me or if it's the winter or what's going on, but, but it seems like there's a lot of folks around that are, are feeling a bit down lately. And that is why I'm excited to introduce our sponsor this week, Talkspace. If you've ever thought about going to therapy, but you find it too inconvenient, too expensive, just too embarrassing, make it into an office, give Talkspace a try. And, and, and you guys know me, I'm a, I'm a very vocal advocate of therapy and uh, Talkspace is the online therapy company. They make it easy to connect with a licensed therapist, handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Using Talkspace, you can text, audio, and video message your therapist as much as you want. Your Talkspace therapist can listen to you vent about work or family, explore your relationships with the people around you, and help put you on the path to a happier life. Sign up. To learn more, go to Talkspace.com beautiful. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use a coupon code beautiful to get $30 off your first month. Show your support for this podcast in the process. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com beautiful. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. Thank you so much to everybody who helps make this show happen. Use those promo codes. Let them know that you're out there, that Beautiful Anonymous comes strong supports these sponsors. And now, let's get back to more of our uh, very fascinating bisexual Kenyan Indian American caller. What what's it like in Kenya? What's it like in India? I know what it's like in America um, to a certain degree. Yeah, India is really hard. I mean, being homosexual is uh uh is illegal. I mean, there's a law thing you should not be. You can be jailed for that. I think I may be wrong, but it's illegal. You're not supposed to be homosexual, which is I don't know what that means, but uh, my best friend, uh, one of my best friends who live in India right now, he's gay and he finds it extremely hard to uh, meet people and talk about it because you and your partner, you guys have to be on the same page to discuss things. And uh, so when he was growing up, uh, his, uh, his parents actually took him to uh, therapy to talk about things and see, you know, if he can be converted to being so-called normal. So India is extremely hard. I mean, now it's changing. I know there's a, I think there's a radio for LGBT people. I'm not sure on that. And you also have pride parades in major cities. That's, that seems like a beautiful thing. That must be a welcome change of pace to many people in one of the most largely populated countries in the world that they, they can show some pride. Yeah, it's beautiful. that's crazy, right? I mean, when they say, like, I don't know, there's like so many million people that's gay, so it's like one in so many people are gay. India being second most populated country, there are no gays. I mean, really, guys. I mean, I don't know. That just like blows my mind. Yeah. How people can think that way. And how about how about Kenya? Uh, I don't know. I was uh, so we always we talk about it. So you know when you when in the movies and stuff like that, they're like the lesbian scenes. So all guys get like, whoa, this is exciting. So it's all that. It's all happy and nice. But at that point, we were. I would say I was also sheltered because I was uh, I was always hanging out with the with my friends who were my parents' friends. So we had the same community, same people. I mean, of course, I knew other Africans. So I went to a school, which is international school. So majority of the international people or expats or whoever, wherever you're moving, study there. So the limited number of uh, African people, limited number of black people studying. 
Yeah. So uh, it's more like you grew up with the family. So you, you actually listen to them. You talk to them about it. So that's a little, uh, uh, we don't talk about it or, you know, stuff like that does not exist. Yeah. So you didn't get too much of a sense of like Kenya's actual culture. No, no. At that point, I feel like it was really, no, at that point, I think it was really anal into finding out what I wanted to do in life. Like I want to figure out my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. Yeah. So at that point, I was like not interested in, you know, hooking up or or doing all that stuff. Fascinating life, my friend. Fascinating life you've led. I would imagine America, when you get to California, you got to be able to let out a big breath of fresh air, right? That's got to be one of the places on Oh, my on God, Earth. it was amazing. Yep. <laughs> What's that like? What's when that I came like? here, the first thing was, I mean, this, I guess, like every person from, uh, uh, from the Eastern Hemisphere would say that the amount of options that you have on the shopping market are, is, I mean, when people say you have the freedom to do what you want, you really have the freedom to do what you want. And I mean, I was never scared about what people would think. Like even growing up, I just say what I feel like. I mean, as long as it's not rude, I just, I speak my mind. I just tell what I'm thinking. Well, here you can do what you want as long as it's legal. So it's totally okay. So it was nice. It was nice to uh, grow up and just finally enjoy. So that's why I feel like whatever stuff I'm doing now, I should have done it when I was 15 or 15 to 20 years old. Yeah. But yeah. hey, at least I get to do it now. So, so anybody anybody out there who's listening, who's like fifteen, unsure of who they are, your advice is: drop the walls, stop yes. pretending, start yeah. living now. Tell them, just do you it. Tell them, like if you, I mean, especially if you're if you're Asian, just go do it. Do not think what your parents do. You know, your your parents will always say the same thing: just go do what you want and be sane, because you know that helps. But other than that, just live your life. Because at the end of the day, your parents might die, and then you're stuck doing something that is not for you. It's something your parents dictated you to be this way. So why live a life that they want you to have rather than living your own life? And you you find you find that the because the, the, you find the stereotype is true then that the the parents in the Asian community are more dictatorial with their kids' futures than in the Western world. Oh yeah, hell yeah, definitely. So there's no concept of, uh, you know, after high school, you got to get out of your house. And for college, you move into your own place. You start your own things. Even when going home for Christmas, you buy your own flight tickets, you know, things like that. That's completely different in the Asian community or at least an Indian uh, community. Uh, for me, my mom, I'm pretty sure she'll be happy to keep me as long as I'm alive <laughs> and feed me, clothe me, you know, take care of me. So that's, that's very different. Yeah. Compared to folks here, uh, for his family is more like if if you know there's a family, if you know another Indian who's uh, you know who's going to be homeless or who has a tough situation, then just just Indians just come out and help them. I mean, yeah. no majority of them, but you know some of them try to be helpful about it. I will say I'm about to sound very ignorant. I know that, um, but I'm I'd... expecting it. <laughs> no, <laughs> go ahead. No, I mean, yeah. no. The problem is that you guys. I mean, see, I'm not blaming anything. It's just that people don't know much about it because you know most of the Indians try to be uh, like just sardines, like pack them. I mean, just be with themselves. Yeah. At the same time, all the white folks just try to be with themselves. The majority of people is not much of an interaction. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, please. I was going to tell you. I actually live in Queens, New York, and I live a handful of blocks away from the area known as Little India, and sweet. It's rad. And I stopped eating meat about a year ago. Still eat the seafood sometimes. Oh, it's good. 
There's no uh-huh. the fact that I live next to Little India, right in the same year I went vegetarian. It's like the best food. It's it, it hasn't been hard at all. It's the best vegetarian. It's insane. I know it's amazing. The food is insane, but it's also it's exactly so the clear. amount of spices that we have. Oh my crazy. god, it's the best. Paneer makani is my shit. I would eat paneer makani every meal if I could. It's delicious. Although then I'd be dead. I'd be dead within about three months. But that 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 makani sauce is the most delicious thing I've ever had in my life. I hate to just reduce it down to food, but that is usually a good starting point for uh, cross culture conversations. But I do notice, like I do, like the uh, the community surrounding Little India is really tight knit. Like I'll go, like I, just the other night, I, I went, I grabbed some food late night. There's a place that's open late night. It's like a kind of a buffet, and it's so good. And I went, and there was just all these people up. It was the middle of a snowstorm. There's, like, dozens of people there watching cricket, just watching a live cricket broadcast on TV. I was like, this is rad. Like, <laughs> this is a community. Like, this is different. All these people know each other. This neighborhood is their neighborhood. I'm on the outside looking in, and that feels cool. And I'm just psyched I get to eat. No, that's true. Yeah. I mean, they'll welcome you. They'll, they'll talk to you. They'll, you know, they'll have a conversation with you. That's all there. But at the same time, they, they're there for each other. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, and it shows, and it makes it, it, it. I feel like I feel like my whole neighborhood has a uh, a very positive warmth to it, and I think that's a big part of it. Is that there is a very strong familial community that's right at the center of it. That's rad. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, that's why each time you know, each time someone calls to your podcast, you know, like you describe, the typical beautiful anonymous caller is twenty five to thirty five or whatever, and then predominantly white. And talking about you know all the issues and you know you know just usual life stuff. I was like, how come there's no brown guy? Like, how come there's no brown calling up? So I always like, oh, maybe I shall hit the jackpot and get on someday. I'm glad you did. And I've been working hard to diversify. I like hearing. I feel like I feel like uh, you know early on it had this podcast had a reputation for being like. Uh, young people who want to be creative venting frustrations and that's fine but I like it more now that it's like different people from different lives who get to put their lives on record and and uh, I'm glad you called and we, I've been trying to I've been trying to diversify it here's a question I've always had no problem here's a question I've always had yep go ahead so the caste system is a very real thing in India people know so like mm-hmm. so inferior superior everybody knows who's who knows when it's appropriate oh no 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 as in uh, I mean now you can't it's like now you can go and talk about, oh, were you untouchable like 100 years back? You can't talk about it. I mean, obviously, it's, uh, you can't talk about it. Okay. So now how it has evolved is there's something called a reservation system. So if, uh, let's say, hypothetically, I'm applying to uh, to be a doctor. So to get into medicine, I have to, so my cast, I have to have 99 percentile to get into the school that I want to. So if a guy, let's say, is a, is a scheduled caste, scheduled tribe, so we, you call that SCST or OBC, it's like other background something or whatever it is. Uh, if you belong to some of those castes, then even if you get a 90 percentile or 89 percentile, you can get into the top school. Okay. So because they were oppressed at once upon a time, they get all the privilege to get into, you know, Schools like that. So the, almost a version of like what we call affirmative action in the States. Affirmative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's actually like a major effort to correct the former caste system. Yeah, which we don't understand because why am I paying the price for something that happened like 50 years back? Like I wasn't responsible for any of this stuff. Right, right. But that's how it is. Now, what about behind closed doors? Like when people are amongst people who are descended from their own caste, does it flare back up? Like in private conversations, are people like, yeah, but untouchable? Oh, hell yeah. 
<laughs> so there's government policies, but <laughs> I but, mean, obviously, <laughs> but all the shitty at the same time. And how? Do, I mean, as long as you don't cross the line, it's fine. How does that work too? Once you wind up in different countries, like when there's when there's an Indian community or Indian people who cross paths in the states or in Australia, like do, does the caste system still apply? Do they still suss each other out with that? Uh, I mean, it depends. Okay, there are there. I mean, I would essentially break it down into the two types. I mean, this first generation, second generation. So I'm someone who moved around a lot. So my background is completely dif- different. So usually if you, uh, you know, talk to someone, they have lived sort of until 20 or 25 in India and then moved to U.S. or Australia then for higher education. So that's one type. And there's another type is uh, we call them ABCD, which is American-born confused Desi. So Desi is like a generic... <laughs> Term that belongs to South Asian, uh, Southeast Asian uh, countries. So if you're Bangladesh, Pakistani, or Indian, then you you call them as Desi. So there's ABCD. They're American boss. They're confused. So they're 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 born in America. So they're used to all this stuff. But then their parents are the first generation here. So they are a little confused because they have to stick to that tradition. As at the same time, they can do whatever they want. So when it comes to people who are born and raised here, I guess it's okay because their parents have lived here for about 20, 25 years or more. So they know what exactly happens. They know what happens to kids of their friends. And so they let their kids sort of do what they want. Right. But when it comes to us, since parents are still, you know, shuffling between U.S. and India and Kenya, so they, it's really hard for them. So they, they stuck to what they know or they stick to, you know, their religion and things like that. I mean, the, you have friends in other religions. I mean, it's not like you shun them, but it's just that when it comes to marriage or when it comes to, you know, your own kids, they always prefer to be uh, from the same caste. Right. Right. So even in the States, the, the first generation parents are like, wait, hold on, come on. You can hang out with all those other casts at school and stuff, but we're talking marriage now. Let's shape up. Let's I mean, get it real. On the, yeah, it, it depends on the parents, yeah. how they were, how they think. Of so I wouldn't say the majority of them, but some of them are. Yeah. And then put a mix of uh, being bisexual and then put a mix of identity crisis because I don't know. What the fuck I'm thinking about? Oh, sorry, Sally. <laughs> but yeah, that's okay. Your mom is a legend. I'm telling you, my but, mom yeah. is a legend. So it, it, it's hard. Mom, you're a legend. Oh, yeah. Look at that certified legend, mom. So what? <laughs> here's a here's a question that's coming into my mind. Do you like so so you you've mm-hmm. bounced around international schools? Now you're in the states, uh, a little you know a little further away from your brothers, from your parents. When you, so have you do have you met other bisexual other other LGBTQ members of the Indian community? Is that oh, like, this, oh yeah 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 I mean this is another kicker. So okay, if you're gay, you're lesbian, totally okay. If you're bisexual girl, then there's some fascination about it for some reason. And then I mean I would be clearly know why. But if you're bisexual guy, then it's a taboo. Uh, meaning not many bisexual guy come comes out and say hey I'm bi, because there's always a sign of uh, you know you always judge them as being too feminine or you know what I mean? You always mm-hmm, judge them saying, mm-hmm. Oh, by guy. I mean, it's a little strange, but yeah. Uh, you'd be surprised. There are a number of LGBTQ uh, people from the Indian community. And when you first, like when you first come out and you get comfortable talking about it and you start finding other, it, like I would, I would imagine for anyone who comes out, finding other members of the LGBTQ community is such like an empowering thing. When you meet others specifically, uh, first generation Indians, is it even, is it like even more so like, holy shit, you get it, let's talk? Like, 
Is, do you have those moments? Or yeah, is it- yeah, but it's more like, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. So I think there was a, there was this guy I met, and he was he's bi as well. But then he is uh, he's insane, saying that he will hook up, he'll do all the crazy stuff before marriage, but he wants to get married to women and start a family with with a girl. Mm-hmm. He's sure about it. He's like, no, my parents want me to marry uh, a girl, so I, that's that's what I want. I was like, but what do you want? And then the whole topic of no, this is what I want. So I was like, you know what, you whatever rocks the boat. But for some reason, I think of myself being coconut, which is brown on the outside, white on the inside. Is that a phrase, coconut? <laughs> I mean, I came up with that one. I don't know. Oh, I've never heard that. Coconut, <laughs> brown on the outside, white on the inside. Coconut. Huh? <laughs> I heard that's I've heard a lot of. So I was talking. <laughs> I've heard a lot of ver- yeah, versions of that. I've heard a lot of of, of ways to re- of uh, comparing food to races in a similar way. But coconut, that's new to me. Thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark, by the way, copyright. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I so most of the friends that I have, majority of them are white folks. Uh huh. So my thinking is automatically gone in that direction so when i was talking about so my brother was asking me so what do you see yourself in the future like what do you what do you do and all that stuff so i was explaining to him saying uh i would i mean you you shouldn't call me the traditional indian guy like i this is not what i'm going to do or i'm okay being in an open relationship i'm okay being uh in the same sex relationship it's okay i'm i'm getting used to all that stuff so i wouldn't judge you by whatever you do uh, so my brother's like are you sure do you know what it means do you think it's a phase do you think you'll grow out of it so, so he's more worried than me, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're more like, hey, I'm just going to roll with it like people do here in the States. I'm in the States now, so I'm going to do like typical white person on the East Coast in the States shit. I'm going to like uh, try to have a – I'm going to try to build an app. I'm going to stay out late. Yeah. I'm going to sleep with who I want to sleep with. I'm not going to even think about I'm getting married until I'm like 34. East Coast – are you in a city? Yeah, you know the, the- – yeah, yeah, I'm a major city on the East Coast. Yeah, oh, so you're just living that. You're living the uh, that East Coast elitist life. I'm just gonna do what I want. Um, and until it's time to not do it, and then I'll figure it out then. No, it's funny that him and I. I mean, we had the same background. He also grew up in Kenya. He moved to India, and then he he's in the states too. He's in the East Coast as well. But uh, I'm surprised that he doesn't have any friend who is who's lesbian, gay, or bisexual, or something. Or he doesn't have anyone that's different than who he is. So I'm just surprised. Like, how do you not have interacted with someone who is different than you? Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, just to live on the East coast of America and function day to day, he must, he must be really sheltering himself if he's not meeting people who are, who are of different yeah. sexual I mean, persuasions. I if you grew up in one of those rural villages in, uh, in Kenya or rural villages in India, we have no idea what a TV is or, you know, a cell phone. What the, what the hell is that? Then, if he behaves this way, I'm totally okay. But we grew up in serious metropolitan cities, and I'm just surprised. Yeah. And have you had? Has it gotten tense? Has that gotten tense at all? Have you said like, yeah, hey, I think you're maybe, uh, I think you're maybe sheltering oh, yourself. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. What's that like? He was always like, you don't know what I'm thinking. I was like, I mean, I know what you're going to say next, so I clearly know what you're thinking. So <laughs> just put it all to rest and listen to me. He was like, okay. And then it gets to the point where you have to repeat yourself. You know, you, you have to repeat the same thing again. Yeah. And you told him so about not your like, parents. You know, brother. Did you have any fear that he was going to tell yep. your parents on your behalf? Did, was there any element of that? You know what? I, I'll be actually slightly happy if he opens up the conversation with him. I mean, with my parents. Because that makes, makes it easier. That makes me, you know, that puts him <laughs> in the passenger seat and me in the back seat. So I'll be like, 
I don't know. You ask him. He's the one who told you. And I would just like slightly get off of that. And then you know, it'll be like his battle in the about it. I like I like the puzzle pieces that are coming together as I connect the dots of like you're just gonna keep leaning on your brother, maybe getting some disagreements with him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll hit that tipping point. The shit'll hit the fan. I mean, first if he if he wraps me out, it'll be like F you. I mean, I've trusted you, so screw yourself. And second, if he wraps me out, he'd be like, What? I mean, I don't know I don't know what he's talking about. What do you what buy what? You would. You do you think you'd so deny it first? Uh, I would. I would be like, I don't know what he's talking about, and then I'll say, Oh, did he say that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on what I think. Then. Yeah. I mean, I'll see how they react. I mean, I'll see how my parents react, and then I'll just go with it. Speaking of speaking of your parents, you've mentioned you mentioned your dad a couple of times. You've men, you've mentioned uh, me and my dad not so much. What, what's going on with your relationship with your dad? What's up with your dad? A question I've noticed gets asked a lot on this show. We're going to hear the answer to that one one more time at least. I'm sure many more times in the future. But first, we got sponsors. They got things. You might like the things. The things are useful. I use a lot of the things. Check them out. Happy to tell you about CISO. Streaming service. Curated comedy. Great people who work at CISO behind the scenes on camera. It's a very cool thing for the comedy community. Look, what would happen if the McElroy brothers were to turn their popular advice podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me, into a TV show? I've seen clips of it, and I can tell you what would happen. It would be hilarious. And a big part of that, I want to give a shout-out to my friends, uh, J.D. Amato, Jackie Jennings, Greg Doris. A lot of my friends worked on this show, so I can vouch for it. you got to find out for yourself, though. Sign up for CISO. It's got a wide array of hand-picked, ad-free, on-demand comedy. CISO's your one-stop comedy streaming service. Watch next day, late night, hilarious stand-up specials, binge-worthy classics, including 42 seasons of Saturday Night Live and the entire Monty Python catalog. Watch it all from the comfort of your favorite device. Plus, CISO has tons of great original series like My Brother, My Brother and Me and a fake reality show created by the geniuses behind Comedy Bang Bang, Earwolf's own Comedy Bang Bang, and Reno 911. Access CISO anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, Apple TV, and almost any other device. And it's all for just $3.99 per month. That is no joke, and it is worth way more than $3.99 per month. Trust me. What are you waiting for? Go to SEESO.com right now to sign up for one month free with promo code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. This is the best offer CISO has going right now. One month of laugh your ass off comedy for free just by using the promo code BEAUTIFUL. That's SEESO.com. Promo code beautiful. CISO.com. Promo code beautiful. I bet a lot of people out there are like me. I just get fascinated by by, by strange real life stuff and especially stuff that's kind of like odd, maybe maybe true crime on the fringe of it. And a, and a couple months ago, I bet I'm not the only one. There was this article about Richard Simmons that went around the fashion guru about him disappearing. And it was fascinating. And it stuck in my brain. And guess what? There's an amazing new podcast called Missing Richard Simmons. Three years ago, the fitness guru that we all remember, Richard Simmons, he disappeared from the public eye. He'd spent decades as one of the most accessible celebrities in the world, but in the last few years, almost no one has seen him, and nobody knows why he left. Filmmaker Dan Taberski was a Slimmons regular and a friend of Richard. Missing Richard Simmons is Dan's personal search for Richard. And the deeper Dan digs, the stranger it gets. Subscribe now to Missing Richard Simmons in Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast. This is one of the most fascinating stories going on. And I cannot believe that uh, there's a whole podcast that's going to analyze everything that's happening. I'll be listening, and I bet you will be as well. 
go ahead. Let's finish off this call strong. We're here. Beautiful Anonymous. Thanks for listening. Let's go. Speaking of your parents, you've mentioned you mentioned your dad a couple of times. You've, men- you've mentioned uh, me and my dad, not so much. What- what's going on with your relationship with your dad? So in a nutshell, uh, love equals money for my dad. So while growing up, he was workaholic. He worked a lot, like worked insane amount of hours. Which growing up, now we realize that he actually went to casino and he gambled. So that's a different story. Uh-huh. But growing up, I, I mean, it was all like mom taking care of us or, you know, uh, so we had, you know, someone in the house help her. I mean, she helped us out. But otherwise, uh, not much of an interaction with her dad. So growing up, my mom always protected the image of, you know, dad's nice and he's this way. He's doing all this for you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, she was being the typical uh, Indian mom, I guess, to start protecting husband's image. Uh, so she did that. So now we know growing up, we know what kind of shit he pulls up. So uh, you know what? Yeah, good for you. Good if your marriage is working, which clearly is not. But... Uh, so I just like stay away from all that negativity. Like I know how he's going to react and I don't want any of this uh, or that in my life. So he's a volatile dude. So he was, he was gone all the time. And then you found out he was just, he was going to the casinos, gambling and yeah, all the way. Crazy. So, chasing the adrenaline. It, I mean, when we were a kid, we never had like, Oh, okay. He's working. But, but growing up, you know, when families talk and then we realized that we actually, there's a casino that he goes to. He just spent a lot of money there and he just like gambles. He plays. And then we asked the mom, like, why the hell didn't you be honest with us and tell what dad was actually doing? She was like, no, I, I wanted you to form your own opinion and not, uh, I didn't want to, you know, put on my wife. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to cloud your judgment. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's nice. But And casinos, notoriously, fun for the first few times. And then they get sad fast. Like, yeah. if, your dad, if your dad's going there, he's, so he's like an addict. He's like a gambling addict. If he's secretly yeah. going to casinos for... I mean, not as worse as, you know, some people are, but yeah, he is. I just... And the funny... I mean, he smokes, he drinks, but his kids are not supposed to do that. Like, I do not understand the concept. Uh, so he's he's really a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do type of dad. Yeah, but it's crazy, though. So it's funny. So when... Uh, my, my, okay, my brother got married last... No, two years back. So it's all the guys in the family, uh, in my family, as well as, you know, my in-law side of the family, like, uh, his wife's side of the family, we all went out. So we went out and we were drinking. So we got back home and my dad looked at my brother and started shouting at him saying like, you were in front of your father-in-law and, you know, brother-in-law and all that stuff, but how can you just order beer and drink in front of them? So he looked at him and was like, you drank too. So where did that, like, what are you talking about? And he just went ballistic with the fact that we drank. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's hypocritical. Yeah. Get the hypocritical side. I just went to a casino. I was just in Atlantic City. I went to Atlantic City randomly with a friend of mine on a Sunday night. I tell you, going to Atlantic City in the winter on a Sunday, just about, I would go ahead and say it's the depths of human sadness. I would say it's the depths of human sadness. I I watched a man get kicked out of a poker room at 3.30 in the morning on a Sunday into Monday. And uh, it was... How much money do you lose? I don't know how much he lost, but he, he was rambling. He started rambling about God. I think his mind broke at the poker table. He started, he was like, God will smite, <laughs> God will smite you for this. I was like, man, if you're, if you're getting kicked out of a poker room in Atlantic City in December at 3.30 in the morning on Sunday, talking about God will smite you, that's like uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing life, right? If that's not your rock bottom, God bless you, buddy, because... <laughs> 
whatever's coming next day is going to be pretty. <laughs> uh, maybe he's trying to do all the crazy things in 2016. I think that guy... 2017, he can start new. Who knows? Who knows? Let's give that guy the credit and say he was just getting it out of his system so he could really shape up and go for it in 2017. But I doubt it. But I doubt it. Probably. So what else? When you started when you started this call, you said you wanted to dispel a lot of the ideas people have about your culture. What else? What else do you want on record while we have some time left together? Oh, this, uh, you know, the first thing, smelling bad. I want to point out that not all Indians smell bad. Uh-huh. And we take shower. We know what the deodorant is. We eat spicy food because we like spicy food. We don't eat it just because our parents make us eat it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we drink, we smoke, we go to clubs, we have sex, we do all the normal stuff that other people do as well. So you do find that you you will you will meet people who who think you are ultra religious, don't do anything fun, and who do people? No, no, I've never had that problem, but people <laughs> you know generally talk about it. It's like no, he's an Indian dude, he doesn't do that. Really? So people say stuff, and and have people have have you faced have you like faced situations where people say? Indian people smell and they don't realize that that's a hurtful thing to say? They just think that's a fact? No, I mean, if you see in a, no, if you see in a, you know, anonymous forums and stuff, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, the guy in the bus, he was, he was smelling of curry. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's probably the only Indian word, you know, but anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's certain things that always, I mean, it doesn't upset me. It's just that, eh, it's okay. Yeah. What I mean, but some people do smell bad. Like, I give that. Yeah, some white uh, people smell bad too. I smell bad half the time. Exactly. Yeah, I smell terrible. Half, it's I would okay. say half the time. Yeah, at the end of the day, <laughs> I've been working hard, sweaty. Yeah, smell. I smell horrible. It's fine. Everybody smells bad. Yeah, sometimes. it's fine. Who knows? What else? What it's winter. Else? You put another jacket on. <laughs> okay, fifteen minutes left. Wait, what else? Wait, do you have any specific questions? Do I have any specific questions? Well, see, okay. Yeah, anything that you want to ask to uh, yeah. a brown guy, like uh, ask an Indian guy. This is our new segment, 15 minutes left, Ask a Brown Guy. That's our new segment here on Beautiful Anonymous. Now that we have a brown <laughs> guy on the show, finally, I'm going to ask a brown guy. But here, I'm just going to go ahead and say this, though, and you and me, we got a good vibe going. I'm going to ask some questions. I might, you feel free to let me know. Oh, well, shit. now you yeah. sound like a real asshole. Now you're just sounding like an asshole. No, it's Okay. Okay. Um, let's think about, okay, questions that I have. Maybe you'll know, maybe you won't. How, what is the appeal of cricket? How does it work when I watch it? Oh, don't I, ask me. Uh, I don't know. I never get that. Okay. So uh, immediately ignorant, just assuming problem. you like cricket because you're brown. Okay. Question one is ignorant. Am I in? Fair? Fair? No, no. There are in France. So only when there's, uh, when there's a game between India and Pakistan, then I tend to watch it. Because, yeah. you know, there's a, it's a rivalry. It's a game that everyone watches, so that's about it. But other than that, if there's a live game, if I'm in India or if I'm in Kenya and there's a live game, then I go watch it. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, it goes for five days. Like, who watches that? I mean, it's like baseball. Baseball is just drinking for me. Like, I do not know what the hell is happening. Yeah, base. I find baseball. I used to love baseball. I, I, I think now it's very boring. I don't understand how I used to be engaged with it. It takes so long. I'm a basketball guy. Okay, so, okay, another question for Ask Brown Guy. So you just mentioned Pakistan. So India and Pakistan as nations do have a traditionally strained relationship, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Now, what, uh, I mean, I feel like it's more, uh, more, more what the, the government uh, did about it. And I guess the people, you don't hate each other. Like, so Pakistan walks on the road. I don't hate him. Like, I don't swear at him. It's just the, the policy and the politics and all that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
So and and because I noticed too in in the neighborhood I live, it seems like a lot of the restaurants seems like a lot of the restaurants in Little India now are actually owned are, are Bengali and and Pakistani owned is what I understand. So when you do yeah. get to communities, people I mean, if you know, people, the majority of the gas stations or subway is always owned by a Bangladeshi or a Pakistani or you know rarely Indian. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. What else? Here's a question I have. Some of the people in the world. Go ahead. I once was walking through Madison Square Park in New York City, and sometimes they have these festivals mm-hmm. there. They'll shut down this park. They have different festivals. I'm walking through this festival. I'm like, this seems cool. What is this? Turns out it's like a Sikh festival. The Sikh people, I immediately realized, seem to be some of the coolest people on earth, man. The nicest, coolest people. They're pretty fun. Yeah. What's good? Everything, here, here's the two things that I learned that day about Sikh people, and maybe you can fill me in more if you know anything about them. But it's within their religion that you have to share. If you have something you have to share, this festival, all the food was free. And because it's like, no, we have to share. That's our religious mandate is that we share of ourselves. And that they carry ornamental knives a lot of the time. That's rad. Yeah, some of them do that. I mean, I'm pretty sure the old generation and us, we don't do that anymore. But that's, uh, I mean, you know, you know Indians, they're, a mil, they're about a million gods. Yeah. And then there's about half a dozen religion. Uh, so... That it completely blows my mind. Like even now, I don't understand some of the culture that people still follow. And I'm more I fall towards the southern part of India, so ours is a little different. But Sikh, I believe, is the western side. Okay, okay. Here's another question I have: How annoying is it for you to have to go through TSA checks compared to me as a white guy? Oh my god, I hate it. Yeah, is it as bad uh, as I think? I, yeah, I mean, I got I got pulled over a thing three times. And one in Orange County, and the other one in, uh, uh, once it was in London, and then the other time it was in, uh, I think it was in Chicago. You got pulled and out I of the airport it. lines? Yeah. You know, it's like, excuse me, sir, can I just talk to you for a second? I was like, oh my God, okay. And I just opened my bag and tell him, <laughs> this is it. I have the visa, I have everything. Is there anything I can help you out with? He was like, he checks everything. It's like, no, you're good. Have a safe flight. And do they? So you've been. I mean, so there are probably people listening who are like, "Well, everybody gets pulled randomly sometimes." But you've been pulled three times, and what? How? How much of a time span was that? No, it was about five to ten minutes. I mean, uh, I'm telling you, for some, if you're Muslim, if you have a Muslim name or if you have a scarf, then I mean, I pity them. Uh, I mean, they get pulled out more often. I mean, very commonly than than me or any other white guys. I mean, like, was it within a year, within two years? Like, those three incidents where you get pulled? No, this is about for the span of, like, seven, eight years. Seven, eight years. You've been, okay, okay. Not so bad. I thought I you were not that bad. I thought you were yeah, going mean, like five complain. months. That being said, I've only been pulled out of a line once, and it's because they thought they found gunpowder on my bag, which was insane. And then they later told me <laughs> it might just be because you started using a new kind of soap. They said that. So who knows? I mean, gun, how did they even find that? They had sniffing dogs? I don't know. They did that thing. They put a little piece of plastic on my hands. Next thing I know, they're dumping my bag out on the floor and telling me to stand back. I was like, this is nuts, man. This is nuts. Oh. Uh, okay. What? Yeah, I mean, I had, I was, I think I was having chewing gum and I had the wrapper in my back pocket. So he touched my, you know, he was like scanning. It was like feeling my pockets. And then he was like, what is that, sir? And then I took it out. He's like, wait, 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 wait. And then he put his gloves on and touched it. I was like, dude, chill. It's a bubblegum wrapper. I mean, if I was smart enough, I wouldn't put anything in a bubblegum. I mean, maybe I would. I don't know. But anyhow. Yeah. 
I digress. Okay, ask a brown guy. Ask a brown guy. What else? What else do yeah, I understand? Yeah, so it's about to say, may, I, I'm pretty, you have to pay me for first being an ambassador for your show because I'm actually <laughs> making people listen to your show. Thank like, you for that. listen to this. pretty nice. Thanks. Oh, well, and I'm, second, I'm glad it's, it sounds like a lukewarm endorsement, but I'll take it nonetheless. It's pretty nice. <laughs> no, and second is that there are actually an unbelievable amount of people who listen to this. Uh, I mean, I know it's always a struggle to get online and talk to you, but I would say keep trying, and especially if you're someone who have, you know, a different background and different upbringing, then I guess people got to know about it. And the more social, cultural experience that you get to have, the better, you know, yeah. human being you become. I am into it. And I, I feel like for me, one of the main things with this show is I just want to hear how other people live. I want to hear what their experiences are life. I, like, I only really know mine and I, I don't want to live in a, uh, I don't want to live in a world where I only did hear from people like me on, I don't want, I, on Facebook, man. Cause look, I'm a liberal. I've said that a million times on the show. I'm, I don't want to go on Facebook and hear other comedians and other liberals talk about Stuff I want to hear the other side too, even if I disagree with it, and even though it feels like uh, you know swallowing cough medicine, I want to hear other people's views and other people's life experiences and empathize. And but if you are out there and you have a story, you feel like this is a story that's not being told. I have a background that hasn't been included in the show. We have the voicemail eight zero two three nine two three two eight eight. You call up, leave the voicemail, tell us what you want to talk about. We'll call you back. That's a major effort to diversify. The heart of the show will always be yeah, random calls, but then we get the other ones in there. Try to get some stories that we wouldn't get randomly. Get him in here. It's nice. I want to hear from everybody, man. I want to get, I want to, yeah. just want, I just want to talk to as many people as I want. That's the best thing about this show that I never saw coming. I just get to talk to all these people. I get to turn off my phone and just talk to you for an hour and hear what it's like to be a bisexual guy who grew up in Kenya with Indian parents who's now on the East Coast of America. I don't know. I'm never going to know what that's like. And now I get to know. Beautiful Anonymous. Exactly. And if and anyone's shy thinking about, oh, this is what I like, just go ahead and try it. And you wouldn't know unless you try it as to if you like it or not. And if you don't like it, good for you. If you like it, just roll with it. That sounds like your like, life mantra. If you think you might like it, try yeah. it. Sounds like a pretty good life mantra to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and by the way, if you need a, uh, if you're hosting another podcast and if you need a person of color, you know, to fill in that coda, hit me up after my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fun to do <laughs> I like to not think in quotas I like to not think in quotas for sure um, that's so nice what are you, yeah, you I'm okay I'm trying to think of more ask a brown guy questions more ask a brown guy questions okay um, what's the uh, you seem like someone who's pretty together you say you hang out with a lot of white people you have pulled from been pulled from a TSA line you don't like that people say Indian people smell I agree with you Everybody smells sometimes. Um, what is the, what's like the most, what's the most, what's the thing, what's the thing a white person said to you that's made you cringe the most? That's a fair question. And if anybody's out there who's I white and like eat, pray, love life, uh-huh. you know, eat, pray, love. I'm like, if you think every, if you go to India, you have this eat, pray, love moment, then all <laughs> Indians should be like super smart and yeah, and amazing and have their lives sorted out. It's like, no, fuck you. It doesn't work that way. Right. So you, you can't just like go up to Himalayas and meditate and figure out this is what I want to do in life. Like hell no, it doesn't work that way. So a lot of white people maybe view India as this like mystical land of uh, of spiritual realignment. Yeah, there's also a lot of people in I mean, India who just want to play fucking video shock. games like everybody uh, you else. Would like it, but you wouldn't. I mean, it'll be a nice spiritual experience. I can guarantee that. But I mean, for some people it might be life changing, but it, it wouldn't be like the movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And hey, if there's anybody out there listening 
So, uh, who, it's, who's going, don't paint all white people with the same brush with these questions. Here's the thing. I'm gonna. It's fine. Laugh at yourselves. Let's get all, this, the anti. The only thing, I don't know what's worse, the PC backlash to stuff or the new anti-PC backlash. They're both, they're the same thing, and they're, we're allowed to laugh. So the eat, pray, love stuff, gotta go. Gotta go. <coughs> That's good. Here's a question. It was fun, though. You know the worst part, actually, I'm working, I'm working in lab and multitasking at the same time talking to you. That's crazy. Well, here's the thing I will say. You are, can we laugh about the fact that you are specifically trying to cut through some stereotypes about the Indian community? There is some irony that you are Most a... Bi- definitely. You, there is some irony that you are a... a PhD student in biology calling from a lab, apparently, that there is a little bit of a stereotype <laughs> there that you're living into. You didn't even slow down on the lab work to make the call. Maybe it's a little bit of a stereotype of the hardworking Indian science student there. Okay. Can we make Hey, come that? on. Someone got to do this, right? <laughs> Not everyone can be captain. Someone got to be the sailors, too. <laughs> there you go. Be a sailor. Be a sailor. Okay, what else? What else do I want to ask while I got you? Oh, um, if you do get married, um, do you? I, I've heard, and again, maybe ignorant. Is it true you that in many traditional Indian weddings, you ride into the ceremony on a white animal? Is that true? <laughs> it's funny you say that because my best friend, uh, when he wants to come for my wedding, which you know I should have, I will have a wedding in India and also one in the U.S. So he wants to walk in as in sitting on a white elephant. <laughs> so that's a real thing. Again, that. No, no. I mean, it depends on. Uh, so, if you're if you're not in, you know, you have a Western uh, Western India, then you ride in on a you know, on a horse or something. Yeah. But for for South India, it's a little different. So you just like walk in the at the auditorium or where you get married. Okay. But it depends on what marriage. So predominantly, the stuff you see. Uh, so the weddings in the U.S. in a U.S. show or a movie, they it's uh, is mostly North Indian wedding. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So the kind of wedding where everything is beautiful and stuff. Another question. Ask a brown guy. Ignorant white guy asking a brown guy. So Indian food, I have come to love it. I was one of these white guys. I was one of these Americans that was like, Indian food, I don't know. That's not for me. I feel like Indian food gets that a lot. What is the entry food for white people? What's the white person Indian food that you feel like that's not a total white person sell out fake Indian food, but it might get them convinced to go deeper into the world of Indian food? What's the palatable like for said, the white person? Paneer, yeah, paneer makhani is pretty good. And most of the restaurants that you go is always Americanized. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a lot more sweeter than it's spicy. Uh-huh. And uh, there's yogurt. So if you always feel something is spicy, there's yogurt that you can eat with it that sort of makes it less hot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But otherwise, the best thing will be chicken tikka masala. For some reason, it's extremely famous. Chicken tikka masala is really good. I miss it. I miss it. Yeah, and there's goat, and you also have lamb curry, which people go insane for. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And a dosa, you get a dosa. There's a restaurant in my neighborhood, you get a dosa that's it's about three feet long. It's the best. Oh, yeah, that's that's some of, that's my style of food. Oh, yeah? I mean, I'm South Indian, so that's, dosa is predominantly South Indian, Southern Indian. Um, yeah, there's, an Indian, there's a restaurant called Samudra on 37th Avenue in Jackson Heights, Queens. I get those dosas, dosa masala, paper dosa masala. There you go. Let the, me do this. Let me do your spiel. Samudra, if you're listening to that, please call up and sponsor Beautiful Anonymous. <laughs> uh, oh, a minute left, and now I'm getting made fun of. Here I am 
trying yeah, to be someone man. who crosses barriers. <laughs> Here I am trying to be someone who bridges cultures and crosses barriers, spreads your message to the world. And then hey, who is it going to help at the end of the day? It's going to help you. I mean, I guess it's going to help our podcast, so I guess it can be <laughs> inclusive of that. I like that. Put me I don't in my you're place. Laughing or laughing. I'm laughing now. You really, I tell you what, for this past hour, you really ran the show. You really did. Oh, thanks. I can never shut up. I have a problem, I guess. Always when I get my report card at the end of uh, the semester, talkative is the only complaint that I receive. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, and keep my, my teachers move my place, but I still end up talking to where I'm sitting to. It's like, ha, ha, ha. That's fail. They can't stop you. Well, this was a good forum for you. we got 30 seconds left. I want to thank you for telling me about your culture, your sexuality, how those things hey, mix. Chris, it was, yeah. What else? It was great to talk to you and keep, uh, keep doing what you do. It's actually helping a lot of people. Thanks. And you too, both with being open and honest and whatever your future in the world of biology may be. Yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> okay. Five, four, hey. two. Oh, we get one now. You get three. <laughs> Caller, thank you so much. Thanks for dispelling some myths. Thanks for uh, having a good sense of humor about all of it. And thanks for letting us know. Thanks for letting me know what your life is like. It's come from a different place than I am. And thanks for saying all those nice things about the show and for encouraging people to call in. I think it is such a good point. If you, if you, if you have a very specific story, a very specific life experience, a very specific background you feel like is not being represented on the show, you can always let us know about it on our voicemail line, 802-392-3288. Usually, the show is just going to be random calls that come in, but every once in a while, we'll use that voicemail line to get something good out there. So, caller, thank you for the thoughtful call. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Thanks to a lot of the people who helped make this happen. Jared O'Connell in the booth, first and foremost. Reverend John Delore, Greta Cohn, helped build this thing in the early days into this uh, weird monstrosity that it's become. Shell Shag for the intro music. You want to know more about me? Go to chrisgeth.com. I'm traveling all over the place. And if you like this show, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It really helps a lot. Thank you so much. Tell your friends about it. I'll see you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. What do you, how do you react when you find out that your dad is apparently a, uh, a high-level criminal? I don't know how I'd react. This guy had to. There was like families there with like packed bags and each of them had like a hundred thousand dollars to give them and then he just like handed them, you know, green cards and they were just they were they were here. They were officially just here. Wow. Yeah. Was this in the Peruvian community? Uh, at first it started that way, but then he expanded, I think, a little more because I remember once I asked him I was like, How many people do you think you brought? He was like, I don't know, at least like ten thousand. <laughs> your your father helped 10,000 people get into the country illegally. Wow. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Aha! It has worked! Now, gentle listener, you are enraptured by the voice of Usador the Wizard, for I have cast a spell upon thee that shall force you to listen to the ad at the end of this podcast. Thank you, Usador. We're here to let you know that you should listen to our podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern, a serious study of what it's like to be trapped in another dimension, although you might just think it's an improv comedy podcast. (sighs) Sorry, I'm late, guys. Here we go. 
If you're going to lay down, you might as well lay down on Casper No, 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 we're not doing that right now. We've only got a couple seconds to let listeners know about our podcast, where I interview wizards, unicorns, and goblins, and wedding planners. If you love fantasy stuff, you'll love this podcast. If you hate fantasy stuff, who the f*** are you kidding? You're not cool. What are you listening to? Oh, I'm a comedy nerd. I'm a better than a fantasy nerd. Mm-mm. And now you are released from my spell. Return to your life and listen there again to the end of a podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. Listen from the beginning or just jump into the most recent episode. You'll get it. It's not The Wire. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.